welcome to episode 14 of the Far Post podcast. My name is Marissa Lodanik. Welcome back to the uh, the joy that is us waffling on about women's football. I'm joined not by my usual trio of gal pals. I've only got the two this evening, Angela Christian-Wilkes and Anna Harrington. And uh, with no Sam, there's going to be, you know, a, a hell of a lot less swearing. So if that's your shtick, I'm, I'm really sorry. Please stick around. Anywho, so we're we're down a member, but um, the the takes are still hot. So let's start as we do with some you love to see it. Angela, what did you love to see this weekend? Uh, I love to see Caitlin, well, yet another goal from Caitlin Ford. Um, she opened the account in Arsenal, Birmingham's. Did I say that right, Tom? No. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Game. Um, and it was quite an entertaining goal. She sort of somehow managed to get between two defenders, nodded in with the head on the end of a run and just got squashed in the process. But yeah, it was it was all smiles and they ended up winning 3-0, as Arsenal want to do once they get the ball rolling. So, yeah, you love to see it. Using their noggin, Angela. Using the noggin. We love a good noggin goal. We do love a good noggin goal here. Anna, what did you love to see this weekend? My love to see it was from the same game um, in Arsenal's win over Birmingham. It was Steph Catley finally getting back from that calf injury. Um, she came on in the second half, played almost a third of the game, actually. Uh, came on for Katie McCabe. And, yeah, it's just good to see her back after having such a long stint on the sideline with that calf injury. Uh, Lydia Williams also started her first FAWSL start for Arsenal. So a real Aussie-centric round in the FAWSL. But, yeah, Steph Catley being back and finally getting the chance to, I guess, strut her stuff, you love to see it. You do love to see it, and I'm sure, you know, People will love to see us stop whinging about getting her on the pitch and getting all the Aussies into their respective clubs. A, you love to see it from me. Uh, Ellie Carpenter was named player of the match in Lyon's 3-1 win over Le Havre. Uh, Obviously, it's always good that we've got Aussies playing at big clubs and there's none bigger than Leon and Ellie's there playing week in, week out and putting in player of the match performances. So you absolutely love to see our Aussie girls killing it wherever in the world they are. So we'll jump back to FAWSL. We haven't spoken about it in a little while because of international breaks and the like, but we're back and it was back with a vengeance. The uh, the big game on this weekend was a uh, Chelsea West Ham and there was a lot going on. There were a lot of Aussies in it and doing things. Angela, what was your, your take on the game? I mean, I, I have to say Sam Kerr scoring a hat-trick. That's that's not a take. That's just me stating the, the score line. But anyway. Real the score sheet. I, as a, I, it, was, it has been noted that um, – for for West Ham fans like myself and Anna, it does put us in a difficult position that Sam Kerr is like out there being excellent, but then scoring against our team. Um, I was actually quite pleasantly surprised at West Ham's performance. I thought it was a more evenly matched contest. I like honestly went into the game being like, is this worth staying up for? And it was. Um, and it was great to see them push back. And I was 
yeah, quite happy with their performance there. They seem to didn't suffer from the lag that they often do in the second half where they're just all collectively brain fart and then like concede a bunch of goals. Anyway, so that was great. Um, and yeah, Kerr's goals, I was going to say, oh, you love to see it this week. Could be each of us just listing one of those goals, just breaking it down, going into the details. But yeah, um, and I think also that leads into lots of, well, the conversation around Kerr and Chelsea, is it working out? What do we think? Seems to be seems to be working out in my humble onion for her. Yeah, to not go to not to go full AFL in this, but Sam Kerr stuck up right on him, didn't she? Like our Sammy, like we know that she loves the suck on that one, but I think she absolutely answered a whole lot of critics with that performance. Um, just sensational, like proper poachers finishes um, from Sam Kerr. I think um, a lot of people think that she can just do the, you know, using a speed and guile or she can just score headers. I think a lot of people haven't realised just how um, smart, clever, evasive she can be in and around the six-yard box as well, which is such an important part of a striker's game because those are the goals you have to put away. But you have to be so smart with your movement to create those opportunities in the first place. And that is something that she just did with aplomb, I thought, in this game. Um, Make sure you catch the highlights. Um, check out the FAWSL Twitter. So just to wrap on the first one, um, I, this was actually my favourite one, I think, the first goal where Frank Kirby whips it in um, from out wide and Kerr just slides in and sort of directs it um, in the opposite direction. Like it's a really, really clever finish considering the speed at which she would have been sliding in. The second one was, again, just a poacher's effort. Um, Penelope Harder forces a save. Kerr's in the right place, right time, and just puts it away. And the third one was a really nice little one-two link up with Kirby, who she just seems to have got the best playing relationship with already um, in a relatively short amount of time. But, yeah, a fantastic performance. She also put um, a header over the bar. She had a defender right on her hammer, but um, probably could have scored that one. Um, I think it would have been her second goal. But, yeah, nonetheless, fantastic showing. Um, did As she wheeled away to go and celebrate the third goal, she's collided with a West Ham defender and – dropped to the ground, wonder if it was a bit of hip-on-hip contact. Emma Hayes didn't give too much on, I guess, the severity of that injury post-match, so all we can be is optimistic, I guess. But, yeah, I just thought it was such an incredible showing of what she can do that I guess people in Europe haven't really seen yet. I think she's copped a little bit of a harsh rap out Sam, and I've defended her in the past on this. Such a star-studded Chelsea lineup, But... You know, you take your opportunities. Emma Hayes actually said post-match that they've had to work with Sam on being a bit less selfless and going in and trying to score the goals more rather than, I guess, always trying to be creator and do the right thing. And I think she had that. She didn't look in two minds at all. She had that sort of lethal finishing back. And you just have to think that, fingers crossed, it wasn't a, a severe injury or anything like that. That has to give her a world of confidence. Um, Marissa, what did you make of it? I thought, like, totally agree with you in the sense that it was just such a good performance from her and I think it was one that she needed to have, I suppose, for her own sake in the sense that, you know, she's got a hat-trick, people will get off her back, people are going to say, oh, she's scored a bag of goals, that's what we expect from her, that's good. But I think it was also, uh, it was that extra layer because we've obviously spoken about it 
a lot throughout these past few weeks that she has been contributing to this Chelsea side, but just not yeah. in the most obvious Sam Kerr ways. So now that she has, hopefully can see, oh, there's actually kind of dimensions and layers to her game. And, you know, if she's not scoring the hat trick, then she is making the run or she is setting up her teammates and stuff. So I think it was a really important game for like the entirety of how we view Sam Kerr at Chelsea, if that makes sense. Um, and I think it was just important that, you know, we we're so used to seeing her as the out-and-out striker, so how we viewed her at Perth Glory and the Chicago mm. Red Stars and stuff. So it was just awesome to finally see the, I suppose, the totality of Sam Kerr and, like, what we should expect from her at Chelsea. And, you know, it wasn't just this box that we've kind of had or the idea of her that we've had for so long because she's absolutely killed it in that out-and-out striker role. But, um, yeah, so I was like... This is the best thing. We've spoken about it a lot and we've definitely joked about it in the group chat that it's like there's such a relief when she scores because it's like good, people are going to get off her back and we can just kind of relax for a little bit and not have to go into full like Sam Kerr defence mode. Um, So obviously then that was taken away as soon as she was subbed off the pitch, (laughs) which was was like I just wanted peace for like, you know, a little bit. That would have been, you know, lovely. But um. No, it was awesome to see and it was a pretty good performance from Chelsea. But I agree with Angela as well. West Ham were really solid and uh, I thought particularly the first 15 minutes, they were right in that game and probably could have um, done something more with that kind of ascendancy. So it was, uh, I suppose, a positive sign from, from West Ham. I know Rachel Daly did score the equaliser, but I just thought she had to put away that one that um, Anka Trimberger saved mm-hmm. where she uh, nicked the ball away and should have scored, like absolutely had to bury it. And I know that, that she did end up levelling things up later on, but when they were up and about, you hit Chelsea hard with something like that, like that goal where you've just fooled the whole defence, it's a poor defensive error, like, you know, everything's gone wrong. Keeper, brilliant, but Daly's really got to put it away there and I think she would have been kicking herself. And, yeah, great fight back from West Ham, but I just think if they managed to get that goal earlier, who knows what sort of doubts you could have started to put in Chelsea's minds. Uh, Whereas scoring it a little bit later, I think Chelsea probably could have gone, oh, we'll reset, we'll be right, and they obviously ended up taking the ascendancy after that. I was just thinking I wonder how much of a motivator it would be for someone like her to be able to – leave a game and know you can hang shit on one of your teammates at the na- the next Matilda's camp because put in three pass macker. <laughs> You'd have a lot of bragging rights there. You'd be able to poke a lot of fun. But, um, yeah, I, I agree. And I think it's positive as well for West Ham in their current situation. They've sort of got an interim coach in Billy Stewart. So he was their goalkeeping coach um, until Matt Beard recently departed. Um, and this is just like a – real half-baked take here but I do wonder if it's to do with the coaching from the bench style um from the game you could hear a lot of what Emma Hayes was saying and I thought she's quite a vocal coach which is great and I think her instructions are really clear whereas Matt Beard um yells a lot Billy a little bit more reserved and I think maybe leaving that trust with the players and be like you can do this and you need to be able to make the decisions out there on the pitch could make a difference I'm not sure. 
I'm not sure, but that's we'll see how that eventuates and whether this is, yeah, um, new coach bounce back or if it's something a bit more long-term with West Ham's game. One little thing I did like from the end of the game, and I don't know if it was deliberate, but I'm going to go along with it, is um, when Magdalene Eriksson scored the own goal, Emily Van Egmond's claimed it because I think she got the glancing header on and then it's come off Eriksson and into the back of the net. Either way, it's gone in. But I don't know if Van Egmond actually thinks she scored it. Either way, she like does a massive rev-up celebration. And I really hope it was because she thought she'd managed to get the, um, I guess, decisive touch on it. Um, either way, you love to see that. Yeah, and I think maybe even if you know that you didn't, like, do all of it, I mean, she did some of it, maybe it's good for the morale to, like, just claim it and, like, big yourself up as well. I'm not sure. There's a big but- fist pump. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. No one can see what I'm doing. You, you're you're all visualizing it. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It just is only going to end in a meme for you, Angela. <laughs> oh dear. Oh god. We do love a good media, but in my head, you know, Van Eggs is just like I am the tallest person in this box. It's probably my goal. Like, surely. Speaking of, I did actually futsal's back. For those who don't know, me and Anna play futsal together. Um, very social, very, very casual. Um, anyway, and I think I had a similar situation where I, I shot at the goal and then it just like bounced off. I think it was like the back of one of the players nearby and it went in and I think everyone thought that I scored it, but I didn't, guys. I didn't, but, you know, it went in. It's it's the thought that counts or the goal that counts. Sorry. And. It did count because we won eight one. If anyone was wondering, big return. Wow! To, yeah, big return to futsal for Orange. You're glad you're playing us. I don't. I don't think we should set up the the precedent of um, relaying the scores, Anna, because it could all go downhill <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> a triumphant return, and that will be the last time we mention it. We are undefeated <laughs> since March, though. We we were on a three or four game winning slash undefeated streak, and then. The Roni hit, but we're happy to have picked things up where uh, where we left off. Take it one week at a time now, Marissa. I'm so proud of you guys. Just football, uh, futsal superstars in my midst. You absolutely love to see it. You really do. No MacArthur Marta though. <sighs> Look, it is it is what it is with our Sam. Well, not our Sam this week. No, no, we've got a new Sam. Friendship with Sam Lewis ended. <laughs> Sam Kerr is my best friend now. <laughs> the No Sam's Club. <laughs> we let Sam Kerr in. We can only oh. have one. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but, yeah, I suppose we did allude to... Mackenzie Arnold and I, I, I'm pretty sure I don't know if you guys saw but at the end of the game Sam Kerr did go up to her and you know she's in her little puffy coat waddling over and kind of gives her a bit of a cheeky uh you know wrap around the shoulder like it's all right buddy maybe next time you'll you'll do a bit better against me but um but that's the thing so like even though she did let in three I thought she did play quite well and she made quite a few saves Angela what did you think of Macker and I suppose the general kind of keeping. Yeah, no, I think she had, um, yeah, a really, a really good performance. 
and I, I feel like she's own she's been getting stronger. Um, what I'd like to see a little bit more from her, I think, and um, is her leaning more into the the leadership side of things. I don't know. She sort of looked a little bit sour um, after the first goal and sort of seemed to stay a bit sour. Um, so being able to like maybe pick herself back up and push more positive vibes out there might be a good thing. Um, I know Anna saw a tweet that made her laugh a lot about our lids um, with Arsenal and everyone who's watched lids play knows that she has just like the the yelling, the constant yelling, but it's always good and it's always instructional. I think with the the there's Jilly Flaherty, Flatty, Jilly Flatty. <laughs> We're doing well here. Um, anyway, and and there are quite a few younger defenders in West Ham's backline that I think could really benefit from yeah, um, some some more leadership. I don't know. I do like that uh, that discussion, Angela, because it is something that Lydia Williams, as you said, stands out. Um, I think in terms of keepers all over the world with how vocal she is, um, Jo Montemurro actually had a really good quote um, that I'll go to in a minute. But first, I love this from at Feisty Woso on Twitter who said, I loved our two commentators, the dude who can't pronounce any name and Lydia Williams just screaming names. <laughs> oh, that's our lids. That is our lids. It's just just really sensational stuff. And, yeah, as we mentioned, uh Lydia Williams, it was her first FAWSL start, and I think people noticed when she played Conti Cup the other day just how vocal she was. It's something we've always known as Matilda's watchers, Melbourne City watchers, you know, et cetera, Canberra watchers back in the day. Um, Lydia Williams is such a vocal leader as a goalkeeper, and I think that's something that has probably really straightened up Arsenal, who looked, I thought, I know they played Birmingham, but very composed and calm even in defence. Um in the weekend's match, and we know it's something that she's always brought to the Matildas. Um, but, yeah, Joe Montemuro actually did comment on this to Stilberto, Tim Stillman on Twitter, saying that Liz is known for her commanding and vocal ways. It's a big asset for us. Um, a team that defends very deep is going to threaten you on the break because we've got a lot of the ball. That means you have to manage what happens without the ball, and that's where Liz is perfect. We made sure that any chance they had to go forward was cut out and controlled. And I think that's just what, that just sums up what Lydia Williams can bring to any team. So it's an interesting discussion because we know that there's such different attributes between um, Mackenzie Arnold and Lydia Williams. It might end up being a bit of a horses for courses thing, but when it comes to the big moments, surely that leadership really shines through. I, yeah, I, I agree. And I, I, I don't want to say like, Maka, be like Lids, like not at all. Um, I, I'm just highlighting, I think, and perhaps that's something Lids has been our number one keeper for such a long time like she really doesn't have any other choice but to be like a great leader in order to succeed in that role um for Maka but I think if Maka is going to or Mackenzie Arnold sorry formal um is looking to to perhaps follow in those footsteps and be number one in coming years um yeah that will be definitely something a box that she'll need to tick I think I think anyway, but yeah. Um, but yeah, no, overall, I think I'm, I'm excited to see how Maka keeps going. I mean, she, she made a lot of saves because Chelsea were able to shoot at the goal a lot. Um, I'll leave it there. 
Um, But again, going back to being a selfish Matildas fan, that's what we want. You want to make sure that she can play under pressure and respond. And um, yeah, I think she, yeah, can't really complain. I think it is just so exciting though that Mackenzie Arnold is getting so much game time, top quality game time, doing really well generally. Like, yeah, she's had her moments, but on the whole, um, I think there was an opt stat saying she's what made more saves than any other keeper in the league. Yeah, yeah she made more saves than any other keeper in the FAWSL, which just highlights one, I guess, well, West Ham are conceding, but also her importance to that team. And the fact that she's getting so many good players just firing shots at her, challenging her, and I guess making her be better, whereas, what, a year ago she was sitting on the pine in Chicago, like having not played in Europe that season, having really only played for Brisbane Roar in the W League and not really playing a huge amount for the Matildas either. I think it's so important she's at that age where it it's not make or break, but it can certainly be make, like it can be the making of her. Um, in terms of really challenging Lydia Williams. And she, she got the head start in terms of getting competitive game time under her belt early this season. So, yeah, regardless of, I guess, whether she takes on more of those sort of leadership traits, it's uh, it's a really exciting time. And now with Tegan Mike are also signing at Melbourne City after a promising start in Norway, you hope that our, our keeper stocks can continue to strengthen because they need to. <laughs> I was going to build on that in the sense that um, it is good that assuming Tegan Micah does reach full fitness in time for the dub, we will have like our first three keepers all playing regularly, which is awesome. And then I suppose when it comes to selection time, things like those leadership qualities and I suppose the more one percenter type things could be the sort of deciding factors in who's starting and who's not. So it's ultimately a a good thing for the Matildas, which is something we waffle on about a lot. Um, We had a couple of other games in the FAWSL and we had our Aussies playing there. So we had uh, Hayley Razo's Everton lose 3-0 to Man City because apparently they just don't know how to win against Man City and they haven't done enough of it in recent times Um, but I suppose in better news we had Alana Kennedy's Tottenham get their first win of the season they defeated Brighton 3-1 Alex Morgan scored a penalty you've probably seen it if you follow Woso Twitter at all but um there was a uh, a comedic moment in that uh Tottenham game Harrow did you want to tell us about that a genuinely extraordinary moment from our own Alana Kennedy um, we know she's been playing up the field. This isn't about Alana Kennedy at six. This is an effort in defence. Um, I, I just don't know how anyone could have processed watching this live. Um, it was strange enough on the replay. Uh, she's attempted to clear the ball from defence with an overhead kick and instead has hit an opposition player in the face. I you got to see it to believe it. Uh, go check out the highlights. Um, it's obviously ended up in a penalty, which has been put away. And, yeah, and that was how Brighton scored their goal. So, yeah, extraordinary, I guess, a bit of a moment of madness from Alana Kennedy. You know, some refs might have even pulled a red out for that. Um, she went on to play out the game. Um, but, yeah, just a very, very strange moment. Not often you see someone try to clear the ball from defence with an overhead kick 
And, uh, yeah, probably lucky that it didn't cause any further injury than, I, I think, a bit of shock, really. I was just going to say, so Anna said she hit, Alana Kennedy hit this def- this other player in the face. In the face with her foot, like emphasising it was a – she. I, I don't understand. It was incredible. Yeah, overhead kick, and instead of making contact with the ball, she has instead booted, to use our terminology, <laughs> an opponent in the face. It was like she was doing like a, a, a jig gone wrong. It was just – A jig gone very wrong. <laughs> so, yeah. No more of that, please, Alana. Like, entertaining the first time around, but (laughs) probably not the tape she'll be wanting to look back on, I reckon. Absolutely not. It was just, it was Especially given she could have used her height and maybe, I don't know, get ahead on it or just try and back herself to body her opponent out of the way. The overhead kick is, is a genuine moment of madness, so, yeah. Not one that we want to see again, especially not in Matilda's colours, I reckon. Please, no more in Matilda's colours. I can't. I cannot. I do not want to. And um, so then the final uh, uh, FAWSL game with an Aussie influence was Ella Mastro Antonio's Bristol City drawing 1-1 with Reading. So that was the week that was in FAWSL. Uh, we now move into European football, which is hella exciting. And I suppose the very exciting thing here is that we now have an outlet to watch it and it's awesome. So it's a new streaming service called Sports Flick and they have all the rights to the UEFA Women's Champions League, which we as a group are very excited about because why wouldn't we want to watch all our Aussies in uh UWCL action. So they've got a free game available and it's uh, Carly Rossbacken's LSK up against FC Minsk and you can watch that on Sportsflix. Um, we have been very kindly gifted subscriptions to Sportsflix. So we will be watching as many games as we possibly can. You can check out what games we were uh, taken by in last week's chat about the Champions League. But um. It's super exciting that we have this outlet to watch our Matildas and all our Aussie players, especially in the round of 32 when there are so many of them about. So we'll share the details on Twitter and you can check it out and then we can all chat about the Champions League and actually have watched the games. How good. How good. I'm just eternally grateful that I don't have to go and search for a game. I'm real lazy with my my football game streaming. It needs to be brought to me. I don't know how to navigate sites with pop-ups. It never works out for me. Anyway, thank Angela, you. We Angela love it. misses out on enough sleep as it is. Don't make her life harder. Really, truly. And actually, if you do download the Sports Flick app, there is a code at the moment, UEFA, at the checkout, and it's 50% off your first month. So really, you'd be silly not to. That is Europe chat. Let us transition to dub chat. We edge ever closer to the 27th of December and dubness, the most wonderful time of the year. Um, if we had the draw last week. We dissected that at length. If you want to hear about that, check that out in our last episode. But um, I suppose future 
dub news kind of emerged this week and it was quite interesting, especially for a Victorian context. Harry, did you want to tell us about the the future dub news? Yeah, effectively, well, this was a bit buried in the release. Western United um, have applied for a licence for not the upcoming, obviously, W League season, but the next one. The 2022 um, or 2021-22, depending on when the season starts, season, um, which is interesting. And as part of that, they have announced a partnership with NPLW heavyweights called the United. Um, so I guess the main thing is about um, well, sharing resources, developing that pathway in the northwest, I'd say, of Melbourne. And... So in terms in terms of what it actually entails beyond I guess the the recognition and the partnership, it's it is really about creating a development pathway for um, a Western United W League team in the future, which is interesting given I think half of Calder are at Melbourne Victory at the moment. Um, but it's about things like you know women's development, leadership, scholarships, and yeah, that's I guess them trying to show that they have a connection to the local community and want to build off that, which I think is a good approach um i guess it we'll wait and see how things actually play out with that but i think it is important to embed yourself in with the the local football community especially in women's football if you want to get a license i think it's important to show that you care you're invested and i think this partnership they probably looked at as a as an opportunity to make a mark and build some relationships and yeah it'll be interesting to see um where things go um, Calder have obviously been a really successful team in the NPLW here in Victoria for a long time. As I mentioned before, a lot of their players are well playing at Melbourne Victory this year and they've also been the home of other W League stalwarts in the past. So, yeah, good news for Western United as they look to join the W League in the future. Uh, I think it's also the idea of a um, Western United W League team interesting to consider like a Melbourne-based team that's like sort of geographically bound. Um, I think, you know, Melbourne Victory fans will go, will be the first to tell you that it, there doesn't really seem to be mm. like a a home for the side just because of the constant moving with the, the, the grounds and also Melbourne Victory as a sort of location or where it's based is sort of elusive as well. Um, but Western United will obviously have, it's in the name, right? So hope, I, yeah, it, it would be exciting to consider being able to build a fan base around a particular area in the W League. To be honest, I'm coming at this very low information because I haven't followed Western United in the A-League. So maybe um, if anyone wants to comment on how that's panned out because I suppose it's the same for Melbourne City and Melbourne Victory in the A-League as well in terms of that geographic centre not existing but yeah. Yeah I think it's good in terms of well for them you hope they can get a stable home ground we we know that they have plans for their own stadium down the track and a training ground and that but you know we're yet to see that come to fruition but yeah I think it would be important to get a stable home ground. The, the other thing that interests me with this is where Western United will sit, I guess, in terms of the pecking order of new licences getting handed out, especially with the transition to the independent A-League slash W-League. Um, we know there was the whole drama with the Sheenix recently. You know, the Mariners have been interested in getting a team for a long time. Um, there have obviously been talk about MacArthur in the future. Um, and, yeah, now that Western United had flagged it before, but now they've sort of said, that, you know, next season is what they're aiming for. It'll be interesting to see what the approach is in terms of, 
how licenses uh, or I guess handed out or um, how they're earned and what the timing is with that. So, yeah, dub expansion in the future will certainly be something interesting. And I think if people go back to our last couple of pods where we've talked about expansion versus extending the season, I think that's probably worth listening to in terms of those, um, I guess, those discussions. Otherwise, we'll be repeating ourselves. But, yeah, Angela, I think uh, Western United, their aim is obviously to have a fan base in the west of Melbourne. They've got, as far as the A-League goes, quite a small one. Their A-League team has had several home grounds. They've played in Geelong. They've played in Ballarat. They've played at Witten Oval. Um, So that's been quite difficult, I think, very similar to, I guess, a victory W League in terms of building support and a consistent home ground. So I think if you were to try and have a W League team that gets consistent support, you want to try and maybe shore up like an ABD stadium, for example, um, in terms of the area they're looking at, that you can have consistently every week just for consistency for your fans and also for your players. But, yeah, I don't know if we'll see it next season, but that's what they're aiming for. I was going to say, I find it interesting that you're, like, talking about the the geographical kind of point because I don't know maybe you guys don't agree with me but I've never thought of Melbourne as like a a town that has strong geographical divides mm. in their sports teams yeah. not like a not like a Sydney where there's that clear divide where this is Sydney and this is Western Sydney so I I can't imagine that being maybe as big a selling point as it would be in other states particularly New South Wales um the other thing with this this partnership is, one, I think it's really smart business from Western United because Calder really are the, the gold standard in the MPLW down here. They're ridiculously successful. They're producing players as well. They're, you know, they've got a really strong kind of hierarchy and pathway from their juniors up into the, into the senior side. They've got good people there. They're a team that, you know, players who do play in the W League want to go to then during the dub off season. So I think it's a really smart uh, partnership, particularly from Western United's perspective. And I think it's also, as we've discussed in kind of previous things, where uh, the whole kind of women's football landscape in this country needs a sort of overhaul and uh, needs to be built up and strengthened. The fact that Western United have decided to strengthen an already existent pathway rather than starting from scratch again I think is a really good move and I think bringing up the MPLW is a lot easier than just kind of Mm. adding more new teams building new things and starting from scratch so I think like Harrow said I think overall it seems really good but as always we need to see it actually in action and it'll be very interesting uh in the the 2020 or 2021 season whenever it so happens. Uh, we've got a lot of signing news as well. So Victory's been the, the big movers uh, this past week. So we had Kara Cooney Cross return from her loan uh, at Western Sydney Wanderers. So she's back in Navy. We've got Lisa Devana back at the VAC as well, which is an awesome signing. And then we've got quite a few uh, NPL players in uh, Maya Markovsky, Polly Doran, who was there last season and played a lot in the Asian Champions League, and then Natalie Martineau, who was uh, at South Melbourne. Do we have any thoughts on these players, considering this is a very uh, Melbourne-specific pod this week? 
As it should be, Marissa. It's about <laughs> time. None of this NPL New South Wales business. None of this Harbour Bridge and Opera House chat. Uh, nah, I'm very happy for us to have a Melbourne-focused uh, pod, Marissa. Angela is our Canberra representative, but she is an honorary Melbourne local at the very least, having lived here for a long time. Um, but, yes, in terms of the actual football, um, <laughs> yes, nice to see Lisa Devanna back in the W League, obviously. We know she was at Fiorentina and there's, you know, she's got that history at Melbourne Victory. She's won a championship. Um, she was closer to her peak when she was playing here last. And I think her experience and the spark she can provide is something that never fails to entertain and hopefully can give Victory something a little bit different this season. Also love to see Kara Cooney-Cross back in Melbourne. Um, she sort of showed glimpses at Victory before going up to the Wanderers. And I wouldn't say it was a full-blown breakout season, but she certainly had so many great moments. And, yeah, hopefully she can, I guess, grab the opportunity at Victory with both hands and really stamp her mark on this team. She was, you know, a standby player for the World Cup in 2019. She's, you know, obviously been involved in these talent ID camps uh, with the Matildas. And she just looks like a player that's, I guess, matured physically and is ready to go, like ready to really break out. And we've talked so much about players who should take the league by the scruff of the neck this season, young players. I think she's one that's absolutely primed to. And we know that there's no sort of like Christine Nairn sort of players um, in terms of number 10s at Victory this year. So I think she's got the opportunity to make that spot all her own with some experience like Annalie Longo and Amy Jackson behind it and really just try to create and provide a spark and score some goals and I guess put her name up in lights. And, yeah, I think that's why it's so exciting for Victory and Jeff Hopkins to have this young player to try and get the most out of. I think she's absolutely ready to flourish, so hopefully that's what we see. I guess just bouncing off what we were talking about before, Polly Doran, um, so she was at Victory last season, but I'm sort of keen to see her get some more minutes, um, so great to see her back, and she is one of the the many players that have connections with Calder United um, from you know past and present Melbourne Victory dub. So, yeah, that was, that was great to see. Um, yeah, Lisa Devanna. I'm I'm excited. That's gonna bring bring some what's the word? Spice. Spice. I was fireworks. <laughs> yeah. Um an entertainer. Basically agreeing with Anna. Double thumbs up. Melbourne Victory making signings. Always I imagine good. sorry, Angela. I imagine in terms of player signs that would have been popular in the football community here in Victoria. Natalie Martin would be right up there. Played such a role for South Melbourne for so many years. I know a friend of the pod, Alex Gummer, played with her quite a long time. I think she's quite a popular figure in um, the Victorian football scene. But, yeah, Canadian who's made Melbourne her home for many years, been a standout player in Victoria's NPLW for so many years. Um, I think we probably thought if she got an opportunity at W League level, it would have been a few years back. but I guess there's no time like the present, so hopefully she can uh, really make an impact um, at, yeah, at victory this season. She was, um, yeah, at the, the first ever football presser that I did. Um, I, wanna, I was about to say when I, when I was a baby, but I'm, I'm still a baby. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, that was for the South Melbourne Borondara Women's Premier League Grand Final 
and it was like at the Football Victoria office and I had no idea what I was doing. But yes. So yeah, that was quite a while ago. So it's great to see her have this opportunity now and will be great to see what she makes of it. I'm pretty sure just on Friend of the Pod, Alex Gummer, I'm pretty sure Martinu's name was one of the ones she mentioned in players that we should look out for. So a bit of Nostradamus there from Alex. Um, we also had uh, not officially announced, but uh, Natalie Tatham, who you may recognise the name from Brisbane, has in her Insta bio, which is a you know, very official source of uh, news and signings that she is a Melbourne Victory player. So I suppose we'll uh, watch this space for that to potentially be officially announced. Uh, in other news, we had Kelly Richards signing for Canberra. Sydney FC have rounded out their squad with the signing of Alira Toby, who was at Brisbane, and Katie Offer. Uh, Melbourne City have continued their signings with some uh, familiar names. So they re-signed TJ Vlanich and Melissa Barbieri, who will be in a player-coach role. And um, we also had uh, the another Matilda back to Brisbane because apparently the uh, Matilda's exodus does not exist in Brisbane. We've got Katrina Gorey back in raw colours, which you absolutely love to see. Um, she seems to have really found joy in playing again and if you follow her on Instagram she was just absolutely stoked over in Norway and seemed to be having a really good time playing football so hopefully that translates to the W League as well. Uh, last week we had a question about um, if there was any news on Newcastle players. They recently played a friendly against Sydney FC and won 1-0 as well so They've obviously got some sort of squad together if they're playing friendlies, even though nothing's been publicly or officially announced. Um, and just final bit of uh, watch this space dub news, Jenna McCormick has left Real Batiste and is currently in hotel quarantine in Brisbane. So uh, lots of little eyes emojis for where she eventually ends up. All right, so that's dub news. Let's move into the boot. Angela, would you like to give something the boot this week? I would. Um, I just wondered if I should just throw the F word in there, like every second word to amend for what we are missing this week with Sam. But Just, it, just a bit of familiarity for the listeners. Yeah. They come naturally, though. I know, like, I know. so naturally off the tongue for Sam. And, yeah. Off. They, they make sense. I think my boot this week is not a particularly passionate boot um, either. Actually, it's quite a fatigued boot. Um, I just, why are all the games on at the same time? And why are they all? I know why they're on all, like late, but it's just like the FAWSL had three games on Sunday night, Monday morning that were all on at the same time and I just don't have the brain cells at that time or at any other time really to be able to focus on three different games at once and glean any information. So I'm not really sure why they do it that way. If, if you are a FAWSL fan who understands the fixture fixtures and knows why they stack them so much towards the Sunday Arvos in that way, let me know. Let me know if I should be emailing anyone. I'm not sure. But, yeah, anyway, that's my boot for this week. I'm just a very, like, 
tired <laughs> boot. Ah! Because <laughs> a drag in the heel sort of boot. Yeah, barely got off the ground. Anywho, as we said, not a not a big boot this week. We can't be angry every week, but we can be positive every week. So let's finish off with some how goods. Harrow, how good? I've got many how goods. A minor how good. Um, how good to see Northern Ireland qualify for the Euros. I believe it's their first major tournament that they have qualified for. Um, so I think that's fantastic. My mum's side of the family is from there so I think it's great we know what qualifying for major tournaments can do for not just participation but in terms of aspiration and maybe girls that have played seeing that they can I guess take their career further um so that was a little how good from me um I had a how good from friend of the pod Tom and I really enjoyed this one too uh this is from over in Mexico um and he's passed it on to me from football femme um, which is an account from over there, which says, for the first time we know of, a set of twins are playing in their respective men's and women's league finals. In Mexico this week, Geronimo uh, Rodriguez will play in the men's final for Pumas and his twin sister, Lucia Rodriguez, will play in the women's final for Monterrey, which is very cool. Like, not often you see that. Um, apparently, not ever. So <laughs> that gets a, a how good from me. And one more to wrap it off. We know it was, well, sorry, one more to wrap up my how goods. Um, We know that over the weekend it was the Rainbow Laces round in the UK for both the Premier League and the FAWSL. Lots of really great posts. We know that Penelope Hart in particular is really vocal in terms of being an advocate for these sorts of causes. But another one that I actually wanted to shout out wasn't in the women's game. It actually came from the men's side of things and it was Liverpool skipper Jordan Henderson who posted, it was a very standard post of him with the rainbow captain's armband saying football is a game for everyone, no matter what. He got a reply from a Keith Spooner, who I think is an Irish Liverpool fan based on the flag in his bio. He said, In a reply, at 17, I came out. I struggled through my teenage years, but the one thing that always made me feel at home was Liverpool. Seeing this means the world to me, it truly does. And Jordan Henderson, to his credit, has actually then quote tweeted that, saying, you'll never walk alone, Keith. If wearing the hashtag Rainbow Laces armband helps even just one person, then it's progress. Everyone is welcome at Liverpool Football Club. Hope you enjoyed the game tonight which I just thought was fantastic. We talk so much and we all know how far the men's game in particular has to go with this sort of stuff. Women's football is such a welcoming space in terms of I guess, uh, diversity, in terms of sexuality and gender identity and these sorts of things. And I think it was just really good to see a, a Premier League captain really step up and not just post the initial photo, but to to see that someone had really valued what he said and to follow up with a, a personal message underlining his commitment, I think that's a really important thing to do. Um, it's also so a how good to Jordan Henderson for that. And if you want to, uh, I guess, get a bit more of an insight into what this sort of thing um, does, go have a look at um, former Arsenal and England player and current pundit Alex Scott's Instagram profile because she actually had a really long discussion with the Sky Sports panel about how important it was to to showcase um, 
I guess, things like the Rainbow Laces Round and what it does in terms of making football a more welcoming place for everyone. So, yeah, lots of positivity from me this week, Marissa. How good's all round? Lots and lots of how goods, and we'll definitely share the Alex Scott video on our social medias. Uh, I probably I was just going to say about the um, the Rainbow Laces round. the The men's game does have a way to go, and I think. Um, so my community club, we do something similar each year where we have like um, pride tops worn. We did laces one year. But I think um, from my perspective, I think I sometimes get a little bit complacent with these sorts of things. I'm just like, oh, it's nice. But then what you were saying, Anna, about how, you know, if it's even positively impacting one person, it's making a difference. And the men's game does have a long way to go. And you can be in your little women's football bubble and not realise that. And then I, I think sometimes I sort of have to be snapped out of it by seeing someone say something really awful online and be like, oh, that's that's the reality. And that's what a lot of fans are seeing and that's a, what a lot of the attitudes are that they might be surrounded with. So, yeah, I think it's fantastic that this is across the board happening in both sides of the game and happening at such a high level. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I imagine for... 10 years ago this might not might not have even been imaginable for a lot of people so I think it's fantastic absolutely how good it is awesome to see and I suppose uh another how good uh is the Tottenham women will now be using the men's training facilities and this is uh this is one that Sam put in the group chat but I'm gonna uh speak for it or speak on it instead and she said I'm pretty sure why wasn't this happening before like we've obviously spoken a lot about uh Liverpool in particular and sharing facilities and stuff and it's just one of those things where it just seems so obvious and so like bare minimum kind of thing so um Tottenham did spend a day at Hotspur Way per week the the women's team but uh they've now moved over to the men's training facilities on a full-time basis and their new manager, Rianne Skinner, said that it was a statement in, a statement of intent from the club that they're now, I suppose, continuing and furthering their commitment uh, to the women's side. So it's it's one of those things where, like, it was funny, I'm pretty sure I saw somewhere on Twitter today, you know, we were talking every time the equal pay discussion comes up, it's like there's so much more to it and this is one of those things, the equal treatment, the standard of facilities, the everything else that kind of proves that, you know, you're a footballer and you're a footballer regardless of your gender. So an awesome move from Tottenham, good to acknowledge that these things happen even if they probably should have happened a little bit sooner. But uh, good stuff from Tottenham and Good stuff from us guys, I reckon. We've we've managed without Sam, but hopefully she's back next week, uh, you know, buying some tinfoil, wrapping her head in it and firing up the take <laughs> machine. But um, until then, uh, we'll leave you with that. Uh, thanks for listening. 
you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and uh, feel free to leave us a like, a review, uh, a tweet, an Instagram DM, however you want to chat to us. We're at the Far Post Pod everywhere. And um, until next week, it's uh, we'll see you later. Bye.